0: Designated Drummer podcast. I really appreciate that you stop by and listen to my crazy ramblings and uh, and all the stuff I talk about drumming and touring and all that stuff. And um, this is uh, kind of reaching the end of 2022, which has been a super great year. So busy for us. We've been. This is probably the busiest year that we've had since um, the early 2000s when like amazed was out and i'm already there and front porch and all that we just had a, a a row of big hits that um kept us away and kept us busy a lot and um we have had a busy year coming out of covid and all that stuff um, making up for some shows and lots of people coming out that have not seen shows for a long time and then finally you know the uh, all the restrictions had lifted and venues were opening up and uh this this last year and a lot of folks just ready for some live entertainment and uh coming out and seeing them some Lone Star which has been great um we've just had some super super crowds been doing uh these a lot of theaters and uh, this last summer we did a whole bunch of festivals and um like uh, fair type things and outdoor racetracks and all that stuff um You know, as usual, all the cruddy weather and the, you know, the weird sort of thing that we have of like 20 minutes before the show, a big storm will blow through and where it had been perfect all day. And then all of a sudden it'll just be this big storm. Um, We've had a lot of that this last summer and, um, you know, leading into fall and all the big shows we've been doing. And then um, we just came off a tour with Sawyer Brown, uh, doing a big tour with Sawyer Brown and uh george canyon and also doc walker up in canada and had a great time up there it was a little chilly because not only was it cold outside but also we were playing a bunch of hockey arenas that are just inherently cold because you know well they don't want the ice to melt in there so they put some kind of uh these sort of floor pieces down to sort of cover the ice and turn it into a a hard floor but underneath all that floor is a solid huge thing of ice and you know, all day we're sort of hanging around and doing sound check and watching each other's sound check and watching Sawyer Brown sound check and all that. And um, our legs and feet were just freezing the whole time. It was really nice to get back to some warmer climates, which brings us to where I'm at right now, which is Las Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas at the Golden Nugget, where you've got a show to do tomorrow night here. We've played here before. And I uh, always like coming back to Vegas. And I get to ride my one wheel around today. I rode my one wheel probably about five or six miles today. Uh, just out, you know, just kicking around. And nice weather. It was sunny. And uh, had a good time. And so I just thought I would just do a kind of a little wrap-up here of this last year, starting in January of 2022. And as I look back on this, uh, there are so many amazing guests that i've i don't know how i did it but i got some really amazing guests on my podcast this last year it has just been unbelievable as i look back on here and all the things i've learned about playing and about different um, aspects of the music industry which i try to focus on all different kind of things like sound and financing and uh you know, a booking and just, just every anything I can get my brain into and get on the podcast, I try to put it on here. Um, so, I will run down a list here of—and, and, you know, if at any time any of these sound interesting, you can just look back on— the last year and look up their name or look up, uh, the subject that I was talking about, or sometimes it's just me talking about an aspect of drumming or an aspect of performing or something like that. And, uh, sometimes, um, I'll share other opinions from other drummers, other musicians and things like that. But, um, I'll just run down the list here of some of the people, well, all the people I've had on all of the podcasts I've done this last year. And like I said, if anything sounds interesting, go back and listen to it. They're all still right here on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and check it out. And um, I will run down the list here. Uh, So the first one I did was about practicing, just called Practice, Practice. And I think I did a part two later on this year, or, you know, like later after that. I had done another one about practicing and all about how to get in there and what to practice and, and how long you should practice and about well, I had one about muscle memory, but also to go down the list. So I did one about practice, practice and then Joe Smith from Sawyer Brown, who I just saw recently again on tour that we've been doing with Sawyer Brown. It was great to see him again. We got to hang out. We got to go have dinner one night and uh, it was, it was just really cool uh, to hang out with all those guys and, um, and coming up uh, this This week, actually, um, I have another member of Sawyer Brown going to be on the podcast, and that will be um, that was just this last week, actually. Um, I had the keyboard player Hobie Hobie Hubbard on, talked to him uh, again about Sawyer Brown and about uh, the longevity of that band, and it was just nice to get another perspective of of Sawyer Brown from another musician in the band who uh, is one of the founding members. You know, Joe Smith who I had on, uh, this last January, um, is a founding member and also Hobie's a founding member. And just to learn about what it takes to, to stay in a band and keep a band together. And those guys have been playing together for 40 years. I mean, that a 40 years, that's longer than a lot of marriages and a lot of, uh, people have grown up during that kids, are not kids anymore. They're, they're adults. And I mean, that's just a lot of decades of playing together and they not just playing together for that long uh, because a lot of bands can last that long. Right. You know, and they take breaks and stuff like that. Well, Sire Brown, they have such a huge work ethic that they just keep on playing and keep on playing and keep on playing. And at one point, I think he said there was like 300 and something shows in one year And I mean, oh my God, there's only 365 days in a year and you're playing that many of those days doing shows. I'm talking about uh, setting all the gear up and uh, the the crew setting all the gear up and having to sound check and getting dressed and doing meet and greets and doing the show. And then, I mean, that's a lot of every day for 300 and something days that year. That's that's impressive. Um, Anyway. So I had, yeah, Joe Smith on there, great drummer. Um, uh, I had a birthday episode. My birthday is January the 24th, and um, I had one on there. It was like a birthday episode, things that I had, I guess I sort of talked about. I don't remember what all everything I talked about, but probably talked about some past birthdays and things like that, but uh, things I've learned over the years and all that type of stuff. Um, I did one on pre-show warm-up, like before the show, I always go up and about... Um, probably about 30 minutes before the show, I'll start doing rudiments and kind of get my arm muscles kind of warmed up a little bit because I have done shows where I didn't get to warm up and I feel a little kind of crampy. Like I feel like my my arms will just cramp a little bit and I start to feel a little bit of that arm pain because I'm a hard player. I play hard. Um, I put a lot of um, intensity into an inertia sort of into my playing and um, if you don't warm up, then those muscles are going to f- kind of fight back. They're going to start getting sore. So I try to do a pretty good warm-up. And I talk about some of the other people in the industry and their sort of pre-show warm-ups and things like that. Um, I had uh, Tommy Harden on who plays played with Reba for a long, long time. And he was with Brooks and & Dunn, and he's a session guy. And he has his own band. And I, not for the life of me, I can't remember the name of his band. But if you want to know, go back and listen to the podcast, the Designated Drummer podcast with Tommy Harden on there, and he will talk about his, him and his wife have a band, and they make albums, and they to, they play, I don't think they tour, I'm not sure if they tour or not, but they play around in Nashville, in and around, and I think they have done some tours, uh, but uh, they have their own band, and that kind of thing, so I talked to a very, very interesting jazz drummer joe dyson who plays with the pat metheny group who's a jazz pat metheny's a jazz guitarist and composer and joe dyson a very young from new orleans drummer uh great to have him on there such a gentleman and it was one of the few um podcasts that i had actually reached out uh i found i had somehow got his contact information off the internet um, cause I think he has his own website or something like that. And I, and it said for interview, uh, um, like requests email here. So I did, I just did the whole, I went the whole formal route. Uh, normally I would just like look them up on Facebook or Instagram or something, or somebody that knows them. I would get them to send a message and get their number and try and just ask them like on a text or something if they're interested, if they want to come on the podcast. And this one was, uh, the Joe Dyson one was just strictly through email, uh, his, actually his, um, management actually got back to me. I guess he has a, his own manager. That's pretty cool. A drummer with a manager. And they said, uh, Joe is going to be in Nashville at this date and maybe he can do it then he would love to do it. And so it all worked out and, uh, he actually Ubered over to the band cave and we, um, did the podcast and I gave him a lift back to his hotel in downtown Nashville and, um, talking about, um, how he plays jazz and all that. And I did one thing I learned from Joe was that I kind of always had this misconception about traveling the world and not very many people in uh, uh, foreign countries like in Europe speaking English. And he let me know that English is actually a very well-spoken language over in Europe because there's so many Americans go there and it's America is such a big part of the world to them that they Um, not all of them, but a lot of them understand English and they actually speak English over in all the different countries over in Europe and in Asia. Um, Another podcast I had was talking about sticks, heads, and cymbals. Those are the three things that us drummers go through more than anything. Those are our expendables. Um, Like a crew would go through tape or gloves or um, batteries or something like that. Us drummers, we go through sticks, heads, and cymbals all the time. Our drums will last for as long as we want them to last, for decades if we want. But the drum heads and the cymbals and the sticks, those get beat up pretty good. Um, So I talked a little bit about that on a podcast um, and the kind that I like and the kind that I endorse and um, my personal favorites. I went down to Austin, Texas, Texas. Uh, to visit a friend of mine. And I got to talk to a, another friend of mine from Austin. He's actually from Texas, but he lives like I knew him from the Dallas days when I lived in Dallas and he didn't move to Nashville and we were, you know, we were friends in Nashville and he had moved to Austin, Texas to be the head of the BMI publishing um, house down there in Austin, the company down there, BMI. And I had him on my podcast talking about his whole journey of how he started out as a songwriter, and then he was a tour manager for a long time for B.J. Thomas and different people. I think he filled in for us one time. Um, great tour manager, and he um, his connections in songwriting had put him in touch with the Austin people, and they made him the head of, head of, the, of that office down there, of the BMI office in, down in Austin. And I went and talked to him. That was pretty cool. And uh, the next one was Eric Darkin, the percussionist I had on there, who, one of the people that played on the uh, our stuff, you know, played on our stuff for a long time, but especially on the Lonely Grill record. He was one of the um, great, great um, magic musicians, I should say magicians, uh, because what they play is pure magic. Um, he played percussion on the Lonely Grill record and a bunch of other records, too. And Now, this next one that I had is um, one of my favorite people in the whole world, and one of my favorite musicians, Kim Mitchell from, can, from Canada. Um, he lives in Toronto, and my daughter, if, if any of you have been listening to the Designated Drummer Podcast for any time, you know that I have a daughter, Amelie, up in Canada. And I've even had her on as a kind of a co-host one time. Fielding sort of questions and like that. And I had her on um, helping me do my podcast one time when I was up there. I go up there and visit her about once a month if I can. Um, and I stay up there. I'll get an Airbnb. And I used to have an apartment up there for a long time. Um, but when COVID hit, I had to get rid of it. And uh, I've just been doing Airbnbs when I go visit her. And uh, so I I had hooked up with Kim Mitchell, who I've been friends with for Ooh, probably about since about 2005 or 2006 or something like that. Um, I had him on the podcast it was really, really great. If you ever really want to hear some cool stories about uh, Kim Mitchell um, and about Rush, because they were on tour with Rush. There's a great story about near Neil Peart, the drummer. Some people say Neil Peart. I say Neil Peart um, and how he was, would warm up before the show, just like I do, you know, but he would sit on his drum kit, which was pushed way back in the, way back behind backstage, um, covered up, kinda kind of, kind of semi covered up or whatever, and he would play while Kim was doing his set and then he would um he asked Kim one day if he could play backstage, you know, not not take place of his drummer, but play if if he didn't mind if he could just play along with his show. And Kim was like, Well yeah, sure, I'm not gonna say no to that. So if you want to hear that story, um listen to Kim Mitchell, the Kim Mitchell podcast. But really just all the how he started out and how his whole eighties rocker days and all that and how they toured with rush. And then he started the, his own band, Kim Mitchell and that album that did so well in the States. Um, it was great talking to him. And then I had, um, Keo Stroud on, he used to play with big and rich, great drummer, great session guy too, man around Nashville. I didn't know he was such a, a, um, prolific session guy. Um, then i did a podcast of my personal journey like how i started out in high school playing trumpet and that sort of uh, epiphany of the day that i decided that playing drums what is was exactly what i wanted to do for the rest of my life for my career for a job for a livelihood for i mean my life that's what i wanted i wanted to be the guy back there playing drums counting the songs off i wanted to rehearse Days and days and days and get everything down perfect and be in a band where other musicians were like that and here I am in Lone Star and we're all like that we we are all very serious about what we do and I you know it's talked a little bit about where I started and where I've ended up here in Lone Star and uh, and then I had um, one on seven answered questions I had seven questions that I that may be the one that I had Amelie on I'm not sure um, anyway I had seven questions i had answered people had written in and asked then i had dean sams our keyboard player on i just thought it'd be cool one day while we were out on tour to i kind of pulled him off to the side and said hey dean come over here talk to me and um talked to him about his whole growing up and how he started out putting bands together and how he f- put together lone star in the very beginning or a band called Texas C, and um got uh, that all going put together and made a, a traveling bar band out of it. And then eventually got a record deal and ended up being Lone Star. And here we are. I had Phil Vassar on one day who we have done a couple of tours with Phil. And um, he's such a great guy, man. He's he's such a, a full of energy and a fun guy to listen to and such a great songwriter. That's how we knew him uh, first in the industry was as a songwriter. And then he got a record deal because he can sing and perform and all that he got a record deal and he actually bought one of our buses we had a bus that we were selling a tour bus and he bought one of our buses and um so we you know always kept in touch over the years and and uh, we did a tour with him two christmas tours in a row just before covid and i mean literally the second tour was just before covid hit like december of of 2019 and all of a sudden then 20 hit and then like february march the right around then of 20 of 2020 is when everything got shut down so we, we we had just done that tour with phil vassar and we're starting to gear up and um get back out on the road again and then gigs started canceling and stuff like that but anyway i talked to phil vassar and i actually went to his house and talked to him he invited me over to his house which is really cool um then I talked to Rich Redman, who's become a really good friend of mine. And uh, Rich Redman is he's one of the hardest working drummers that I know. He reminds me a little bit of Kenny Arnoff. Kenny Arnoff. He's just a entrepreneur and he's a great drummer. He's a teacher, he's a writer, he's a producer, he is he has a podcast as well. And I think his is like a video podcast. So we decided if he was going to be on my podcast, I was going to be on his podcast. So I was I was a guest on his video podcast, and we did kind of like a a Zoom because uh, I think if I remember right, uh, we um, you know COVID was still not quite resolved yet. If I remember right, um, anyway, so we decided to do the easy thing when we did the uh, Zoom thing, and he was telling me about a book that he was writing. And I think he's finished writing it now. And it's going to be out in May of 23, May 15th or something like that in 23. And um, it's called Making It in Country Music. And he actually, I actually got some quotes in his book. He quoted me, asked me a couple of times because of some of the things I had said on his podcast and asked me if I could, if he could quote me on some of them. And I said, absolutely. Yes, please do. Because I'm all about teaching our younger people all about you know what it takes to make it um, and be successful, and he used a couple of my quotes. I think two, I think, in his book. And that was really cool. I think it's the first time I've been quoted in a book that I can ever think of, and that was pretty cool. Thanks, Rich. And uh, I would love to someday sit down with Rich on on our both of our drum kits and do a podcast where we talk about drum licks and we talk about our favorite grooves and things like that, and we actually trade trade licks, you know, like he'll play something. Oh yeah. Walk this way. It's my favorite. And it's was like, well, I grew up listening to Boston and we'll just kind of jam a little bit and then maybe even like play together, which would be kind of cool. Um, so that, that may, I'm going to try to talk him into that. So, you know, I'm sure he'll do it. I know he'll do it. Um, then I had Jamie O'Neill on who Jamie O'Neill. Um, wow. What a great story. Um, she was on tour with us back when we were headlining, uh, these big, huge giant places. Um, and I think it was at a time when I'm already there had done its thing and it was a huge hit and she was opening up for us and I somehow talked her into letting me shoot a music video for her because I had my film camera out on the road. I'm a huge cinematographer, a geek, a film geek, and I love analog film and analog tape and analog records and all that stuff. And I had my film camera out on the road just shooting some behind-the-scenes B-roll stuff, and I was just trying to learn cinematography. And the way I learned it was I just bought, like, a $50,000 film camera, uh, industry-standard film camera that you'd shoot, like, movies or commercials or music videos or documentaries or whatever. And I had it out on the road, and I was just learning it and loading film and shooting it. And she saw me with it and was asking about that, and I told her that i you know, I'd do some music videos here and there, and so I shot a little bit of her behind the scenes, and I actually included that in one of the transfers I was doing, transfer from film to video, and I had just edited it down to one of her songs and showed it to her band and crew, and they flipped out. They saw the footage that I had shot, and they said, oh my God, this looks amazing. This looks like this could be her next video, and it ended up being her next video. So anyway, that's my story with Jamie O'Neill. It's called Frantic. If you ever want to look it up on YouTube, if you see the the um, video on YouTube for Frantic by Jamie O'Neill, that was all shot. Every single thing in there was shot with a crew of one. Me, <laughs> I went around with my film camera and um, just shot like everything I could, and I only had about two weeks to do it. And um, anyway, this got a lot of cool shots of her. Uh, mostly during sound check, but a couple of during the show. I could just run out there real quick while she was playing uh, after we finished our meet and greet. I had to run out there with my camera and try and get a couple shots. Um, and it was a fun video to do, and it's one of my favorites. Um, I have I had Steve-O Morrison on, who is the drum tech for Tommy Lee with um, Motley Crue. That was a pleasure to talk to him because, I mean, you know, Motley Crue, come on, man, they rock. And Tommy Lee is one of the most recognized and most talked about drummers in the world. And another thing happened uh, that that was real cool right about that same time that I was talking to Steve-O. It actually happened before I had Steve-O on my podcast. He had reached out to me. He had heard that I had built a metal plate to put my foot switches on that fit down on the kit and Tommy Lee's drum kit is all, it's all like metal mesh. There's no carpet. It's not a carpet thing. Every single drum and every single stand and every single, everything is clamped down to this metal thing. Now it it doesn't turn upside down like it used to back in the day. You remember Tommy Lee had the drum kit that would come up out over the stage and it would flip upside down and all that, which that's pretty, that's freaking blew my mind when I first saw that. But, um, Anyway, it doesn't do that, but he does have a a metal, like of aluminum mesh uh, grate kind of thing uh, that he sets the drums up on and everything has to be clamped down. So carpet is not an option. And they had heard about this plate that I had fabricated, welded, whatever you call it, um, to hold my foot switches and my extra drumsticks and all the rest of that. Um, and so he took a piece of cardboard and drew out what he wanted and i took that and i made i had the pleasure of making tommy lee of motley crew a plate for his foot switches too and his foot switches are i think one starts the video screens and i think one as his talk back he does like a talk back so he can actually hit the button and it shuts his microphone off from the pa and it makes it where he can just talk to the band uh, or the monitor guy or something where it's a, it sort of switches it to a private mic instead of a out in the PA. So he had two switches. And I, I had somebody put a little laser, actually water jet cut, but I'm just going to say laser. It was a water laser, uh, laser cut bonsai um, emblem cut into the steel. I uh, thought was pretty fun because I heard that Steve-O said that Tommy Lee really likes the bonsai logo, which is Japanese uh, writing for bonsai. Um, So anyway, I had him on. Um, I had, did one on being prepared, you know, just like um, what it takes to be a drummer out on the road and being prepared for things like rehearsal, things like showing up to the gig, things like um, going on the road and bringing enough like sort of extra sticks and heads and things with you, just being prepared. Um, and I was a Boy Scout, so... Um, I know all about being prepared. That's our, that's our motto. Um, then I did another one on practice, part two, all about you know um, different things you can practice and what will make you a, a better, more experienced drummer and uh, more of a sort of a high-end touring um, artist drummer. Uh, and, of course, obviously the more you practice, the better you get. So I talked about that a little bit. Then I had Rob Hayjakus on there. Rob Hayjakus, the fiddle player. Um, and he has played on just about every record you can imagine, including Friends in Low Places. And he was actually had vocal credit on that, you know, when all the people are going, I got friends in low places, you know, when the whole crowd is singing. He was in that crowd in the studio and um, all that, and supposedly crunched a, crushed a beer can, but didn't get credit for it. So Garth promised him that the next release of it, then they remix it or remaster it or whatever. He's going to get credit as Rob Hey Beer Can. Um, that's on there. Um, and he is the inventor of what we all know as the whack tone. He is the inventor of the whack tone. And the whack tone is when you play, he's playing fiddle, like a solo type thing. It's usually during a solo. And you know how electric guitars kind of like shred and scream real up high? They go like really super high, like... Um, I can't make my voice go that high, but they, they sort of shred up real high. Well, he did that with the fiddle one time, and whoever was producing said, "Hey, why don't you do that whack tone thing that you did?" And so he got known for the whack tone, and you can hear it on a lot of Brooks and Dunn records and things like that. And he played on some of our earlier records when um, in the '90s, in the mid to the late '90s. Rob Hayjakis, really cool guy. Then I had Drew, our lead singer, on Drew O'Mack Talked about his whole journey, and now he's with Lone Star and all that. It's really awesome. He was with um, Sons of the Desert, which is really fun. But um, we've always loved that band and always been friends with Drew. And then he ended up singing for Lone Star. So here he is. Then I had um, Robbie Wilson, our bass player, and his daughter Cheyenne, who Cheyenne was the youngest, so far, the youngest person I've ever had on my podcast. She's only 21, I think. She's 21. And I shot a couple of videos for her when she was about 11, 10, 11. One of them, she, she's been songwriting since she was little, you know, really little. And she had written a song and I had done a video for it. And then I did another video for her and uh, had her on there talking about her career and her writing and her producing and stuff like that. And Robbie has just done such a great job in raising her and showing her, um, teaching her a good um work ethic in working in the studio and showing her kind of the ropes and how to operate all the equipment and she just sort of took took it and ran with it it's really great Cheyenne Wilson great great singer and then I did a podcast on muscle memory um, talking about um, how when you play uh, drums the more you practice something over and over and over again your muscles will remember that you know everybody knows what muscle memory is right um, I talked about that and how it pertains to drums. Then I had Jimmy Nichols on, who was a great session piano player. Um, God, he was with Faith Hill for a long time out on the road. Uh, her, he, he was her piano player and band leader too for a long time. So a lot of those um, we always, would always see him on like these big award shows and things like that. You know, there's there was Jimmy Nichols, a great great piano player, amazing. Um, I had another question and answer podcast. Um, and then I had Becky Priest, who's a friend of mine and had played with Neil McCoy for a long time, an all-girl band called Cowboy Crush. And I think there was one called, uh, I can't think of that, Mustang Sally or something like that. Um, and she is currently now with Lori Morgan and great, great piano player. And if you listen to that podcast, you'll learn what perfect pitch means there's relative pitch and there's perfect pitch Becky priest has perfect pitch and that is that blew my mind that just blows my mind how you could just say a, a, a letter like um, okay sing a B flat and she'll just go huh and then you can hit a B flat on a piano and that's that's her doing that with no reference tone and then it's just out of her out of thin air and then you hit the note on the piano. It's like, huh? It's exactly what she's saying. That just blows my mind how people can do that. She can do that. Becky Priest, perfect pitch. Um, And then I had another Becky on, Becky Buller, who is a bluegrass singer, writer, fiddle player, banjo player, and artist. Um, I had her on and I had met her on a flight one time. We're flying somewhere and we just happened to be sitting next to each other and talking about music and stuff like that and learned about her and her presence on uh, Instagram. She's a huge Instagrammer. Every day, every probably several times a day, she posts stuff on Instagram, let everybody know what's going on with her. Great singer and a great writer, and really the only sort of, I think the only bluegrass artist that I've ever had on there, on my podcast. Um, Anyway, then I talked about Groove and pocket, and um, that's one of my favorite subjects to talk about—the playing drums and 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 creating a kind of a groove, something that the whole band can—a unified feeling of like unif of, of unity of when you start playing this groove, everybody kind of starts moving to it and playing with it, and it's this kind of a thing you're creating like this foundation again out of thin air. Um, you can just create a groove like that, and people just want to play to it and, and that didn't always happen just like right I didn't start out as 13 year old kid slapping down a perfect groove you know it took years to to get the feel down to get that 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 feel to where my hands and feet can just magically play this cool perfect groove you know um, it takes uh, years and years to be able to do that and I talked about that and then I talked about uh, technology and music and analog versus digital and how social media has changed the promotion of music and self promotion and all that kind of stuff um and then i had john spittle on who plays drums with trace atkins great great drummer man and and i have to say we did some shows with trace atkins this last summer and uh, his whole band is I, I, if i say discipline uh I don't mean in a in a military kind of way, but in a way it kind of almost is musically. If you can imagine uh, uh, having a military sort of um, discipline musically, that's what his guys are like. They're very serious, every single person on stage, and every note that his band plays is very deliberate, very rehearsed, and very perfect. And when Trace gets out there, he just there's a comfort zone. That he's in, and and it is from having those musicians. So there's no ambiguity about what who's what everybody's going to play. It is exactly the way it needs to be, and everybody's very seriously. Uh, I just I was impressed by watching those guys on stage. Very serious. It's like um, I don't know. I can't explain it, but very serious musicians and very focused. And that's what I mean to say. Very focused and very disciplined. Um, John Spittle. Anyway, I had him on. Um, Saran Thompson, who I learned something new about spoken word. Um, I never really knew what spoken word was. I mean, I knew about poetry and I knew about like uh, comedians and stuff like that. Um, But there was this whole other world called spoken word where people get up on stage and they have these spoken word get togethers like these shows. And you're supposed to get up there you're not supposed to have any paper and i never knew that i never knew any of these rules you're not supposed to read it off of a sheet it's supposed to be all memorized like like you a singer would sing but you are just talking this poetry it's like poetry but uh, verbal verbal poetry you're getting out there and talking not really singing you could sing if you wanted to a little but it's mostly spoken but and it's to convey a message just like a song would, you know, about something you've been through or something personal or, or something to make you think, to leave you with a thought that you never, that you hadn't really had before, um, a certain perspective. And that's what spoken word was. And, and I learned a lot about from Saran. He used to teach up at the Nashville public library in Nashville. And, um, I had done some teaching up there about video things and some drumming things. And I met him up there, uh, Greg Morrow, the session drummer, um, who's played with God, just about everybody, but um, uh, Bob Seger and you know God, just it was so so amazing. Talking to Greg Morrow, great session guy, still playing sessions around town, um, has been forever. Um, I had Mike Brignardello on; he was a bass player who played on our a lot of our albums and things when Dan Huff was producing, and he had actually played in a band with Dan Huff called Giants. And Mike Brignardello had played on the Lonely Grill record, and we talked a little bit about that experience of going in the studio and putting that album together, and that that has amazed, and, um, you know, What About Now, and all those big songs on that record, and how fun that record was, and how sort of magical that record was. Um, And so I had him on there. I think after that I did another question and answer. I like to do the question and answers because... I get a lot of questions from people from time to time, and I'll sort of write them down or I'll jot them down or I'll remember the question, and I'll, I'll answer the question for them, but I like to bring them to the public because I figured if somebody asked that question, then somebody else probably wants to know that too, that it's kind of a common question. So um, I will jot those down and make notes, and then sometimes if I don't have a guest, I will answer some questions that people have had about traveling or about drumming or about um, being in a band or whatever, about the music industry. Um, And then I was up in Canada again, and I I messaged a guy named Graham Unstead. I actually have a friend that was teaching at the School of Rock, and this was right about when COVID hit, I think, and uh, how The School of Rock sort of made it through all that using Zoom and these kinds of things. And there actually is a School of Rock. There's a couple of them actually up in Ontario, up in, um, I can't remember the name. Uh, It's not Toronto, but it's just outside of, Markham. It's called Markham, Markham with an H in the middle. Markham, Markham, Ontario. And I talked to Graham Unstead, who is the um, sort of the person in charge up there of the, he's like the manager there of the School of Rock. Talked about uh, a lot about how he got started and a little bit about the School of Rock and how it it didn't start from the movie The School of Rock. There was already a guy in Pennsylvania, I believe, that started the School of Rock. It was his name, so I don't remember his name, but it was something something School of Rock. And then the movie was made, and and then School of Rocks kind of started because of its pop culture popularity started popping up everywhere, and uh, and the I just thought it was so cool I'd never been in a school of rock before but I did the podcast actually in the school of rock I met him up there at the school of rock up in Markham and uh we sat down and just going through every room and all the drum kits everywhere and guitars and keyboards and stuff and they showed me some footage of some of the students that they'd had and how really well disciplined they are and how good a players they had they've become I was just blown away the whole school of rock thing is so cool um Then I had one right around Halloween, the horrors of performing and all the stuff that can happen on stage that can and does and will happen on stage um, in my time of being up on stage and that kind of thing. And all the funny things that have happened, all the weird things that have happened, things breaking, people coming up on stage and um, I don't know, just crazy stuff. Um, Then I had one uh, at the drum paradise, it's called drum paradise in Nashville. It is a facility run by, uh, founded and run by a guy named Harry McCarthy, who started out as a drum tech for a lot of like, I'm talking like, um, famous people like, um, uh, like Steve Gad and, the, um, doing, uh, I forget who else. He was on the, on the road with like a lot of jazz guys like that. And, um, big touring bands and things like that Oh Bruce Springsteen and all that he was um, Max Weinberg's drum tech for a long time and then he opened up this place in Nashville called Drum Paradise where you could rent drums if you're going to do a session they also have cartage there like Cartage is where a studio session guy like drummer whatever um, has his uh, drum keeps the drums at this facility this this drum paradise and the the people that work there go, they load up the drums, they take them to the studio, they set them up to their specs. So all the drummer has to do, uh, like Paul Lime or um, or Greg Morrow or um, Lonnie Wilson, they just go walk into the studio and their kit's already set up and mic'd and everything. And um, they pay a fee to have that done, that kind of thing. So some of the higher-end drummers can, that can afford that do that. And I had a good talk with Harry McCarthy. It was pretty nice. And I did it at... The Drum Paradise at Drum Paradise in Nashville. I came to them and set up in there and in their their big warehouse and we talked with a couple of the guys that work there. It was pretty fun. Um, then I talked about um, had another podcast about sound check, all about sound check and um, all about uh, how we sort of um, structure the sound check and why we even have a sound check and how important it is to the overall outcome of the show and sometimes you can rehearse things at soundcheck and sometimes great moments of uh, songs that we that we've done like in our encore have come out of soundcheck of um just jamming and just kind of coming up with, hey that would be cool to do in the show that kind of thing um and then i had a really uh cool engineer on ken love and i that was just recently he's a mastering engineer and if you ever wondered how a record goes from the studio to getting mixed, which is where all the levels are made to sound right. You know, the drums sound not too loud, and then the guitar can turn that up to where it matches the bass and that mixing process. And then Ken Love is a mastering engineer. He goes in and masters the record after it's been mixed, and he gives it that kind of sparkle, that kind of that real punchy um, thing that you hear when you hear a song on the radio, uh, that, that really fine tuning of the of the sound and which is the, the basically the last uh step before the album goes out to be printed and that's what ken love does and he's been doing that for a long time and he actually another talking about the lonely grill record he was another person that worked on the lonely grill record he mastered the lonely grill record and we talked a little bit about that um then i talked about traveling musicians and like what it's like to be a traveling musician and um You know the kind of uh, things to you can expect, and things I've learned over the years about traveling, uh, both flying and on the bus and whatever. Um, That's one of the things musicians have to do. We, uh, if as you start to get successful in your career, you you have to travel. That's just one of the things. You miss a lot of birthdays of your kids, and you miss um, a lot of uh, holidays and things like that, and. Uh, great moments of growing up and um, if you're married then it's tough because you have to be gone a lot Um, so I talked a little bit about that and then while we were out on tour with Sawyer Brown I think I talked about this earlier um, I managed to get Hobie Hubbard the keyboard player who is one of the founding members um, on the podcast and we talked about the beginnings of Sawyer Brown and all that stuff so whatever I didn't learn talking to Joe Smith earlier in January of um, of 2022 I, I think Hobie definitely f- filled it in um, so we get it from two perspectives if you want to what would be cool is if you went back and listened to um, like listen to Joe Smith first in back in January go like look, look on the designated drummer podcast and go back and listen and find Joe Smith uh, and then listen to that whole podcast and then follow it up by listening to Hobie which was just last week, um, Hobie Hubbard, and, and you get the whole uh, story of Sawyer Brown from two different angles, a drum angle and a keyboard angle. Pretty cool. Um, so anyway, um, and that brings us up to this podcast right here, which is just talking about how awesome of a year it's been in uh, 22, and gosh, we've just been so busy out on the road, and I thank you to all the fans and all the people that came out to hear us play. I know a lot of we have played for a lot, a lot of people this last year because we it's been one of the busiest years and almost every show has been either sold out or have has had a huge, a huge, huge crowd. Um, we've done some up in Canada. We've uh, been all across the United States. We haven't been outside the country yet, which I'm hoping this maybe next year we'll go to Australia maybe or somewhere like that. Um, uh, so, yeah. Here we are. we got the holidays coming up real soon, and um, I'm going to be, as soon as we wrap up this Christmas tour, I'm going to be headed up to Canada on Christmas Day and drive up there and go visit with my daughter, spend a couple of weeks with her at an Airbnb, and then we're going to go to New York City. She loves New York City, and that's one of my Christmas gifts to her is a trip to New York City where for a couple of days we're going to stay outside the city like in New Jersey, and then we'll take a shuttle over into the city and walk around and she just loves to take pictures and walk around in New York City and um yeah um I just wanted to you know say that it's just been great out there playing and I really have learned so much this last year and I have appreciated every second that I've been on stage and made memories this year and I just hope that uh Everybody this season and this year is making memories and having good holiday times, getting together with family and all that. And I just hope everybody has a great holiday and make those great memories. And if you're a musician, practice hard and listen to a lot of old music and learn things and and listen to a lot of podcasts because you're getting it firsthand from all these people. You know, not just from my podcast, but from a lot of music podcasts, you're hearing you're hearing it right from the horse's mouth. I mean, you're getting a lot of information that could serve you in the future. If you are thinking about becoming a professional or touring musician, Um, these are like pearls, you know, you're getting it right straight from the source. And um, so anyway, yeah, listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, have a great holiday. And um, I am going to take most of the rest of December off here and, um, I will start again in January with season three of the designated drummer podcast. And um, hopefully I will have your favorite drummer on there or your favorite artist or your favorite industry person. Or if it's no, if it's somebody you haven't ever heard of, hopefully it'll be somebody very interesting. And I always have to try to have people on the podcast that have a lot to say about their career and um, how they got there and their journey and things that We didn't get taught in school that you had to learn the hard way out on the road. That's kind of what I try to center my whole thing around. Stuff they didn't teach you in band. And uh, I have learned so much over the years, and I'm still learning to this day, making memories, and I'm out here with my pals, with Lone Star, playing, doing these great shows, and thank you to all the fans for coming out. And I hope everybody has a great holiday season, and I will see you... Starting back around again in January of 2023. Wow, it sounds weird. 2023. It almost sounds like the like we're talking about like science, sci-fi future. But I'll see you in 2023, and everybody have a great holiday. See ya.